Greetings, friends. Future Andrew here, dropping into these past episodes to tell you thanks. Thanks for checking out RTAF. If you're valuing the show as a wellspring of inspiration and artistic fuel and would like to help keep the show going, you can find out more about how to do that at patreon.com slash podcast. Every little bit adds up and keeps me inspired to bring you quality content on a consistent basis. Thanks for listening, and stay creative. Welcome to another episode of Artsy AF. Thanks for being here. This week on the Artsy AF podcast, we have leathersmith extraordinaire, wacky theater kid, incredibly intelligent smasher, Jared Michael Trantham. He goes by Lost Sailor Design. Figure that acronym out. Jared gets into talking about growing up going to flea markets, growing up going to Sturgis Bike Rally, how he got into being a festival gallery coordinator for a bit. Um, He talks a lot about what to do if you're having trouble selling your art and just a lot of cool tips on the business side of things, how to be engaging, how to talk to people, not being afraid to talk to people. Um, We have a couple goofy moments too, so hopefully it's what you've come to expect from us. Yes, RTAF, episode number 20, Lost Lost Sailor Sailor Design. Design. Yo. Hi. What's up, Jared? I'm I'm Happy Bear. What's up? I'm glad you uh, had me on the show. This is cool. Yeah. Thanks for being on, man. I'm glad you're here in snowy-ass Denver. Yeah, it was cool. I got a little bit of a delay on the way here. I was stuck in Vegas. Uh, I won $100, and then I lost it all. Oh. Oh, well. It's kind of how it's supposed to work. I'm not really a gambler. You put it all on black? uh, No. Uh, (laughs) There's a bunch of cool slots with lots of flashy machines, and, you know, they did it on purpose, probably. Right on. I was weak. (laughs) Well, hell yeah, man. Uh, Yeah, Jared Michael Trantham. The whole name. Yeah. You make leather. I do. It's you, a lot of fun. I, I'm wearing one of your belts right now, actually. You better be. Yeah. You came up to me at Electric Forest a couple of years ago, and you noticed that I had like some weird cloth belt on, and you said... This simply won't do. This will not do. <laughs> and you ran, and you got me a belt. And oh, so nice. I don't know if I ever got to thank you for that, so I'd you like did. to you do that You gave me now. a tapestry to say thank you. I think we just did a trade. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Okay. Okay. And it's adorning my studio because I work in a basement and it looks like a dungeon down there. So bright artwork on the wall is definitely a plus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. So I guess let's talk about uh, leather, uh, leather smithing. Is that the technical? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, leather, it's more of an artisan, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, you know, I've ever really looked up the difference. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's a very different medium. I'm very blessed to not have very much competition in this world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you guys 
that's a, a cue for you to get it together and start making some cool leather. But the people that I do have competition with, which I love, it's so completely different and so all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like Mystic Fables does a, a, a laser engraved cutouts with flower life and different colored patterns and very, very clean work. There's Nature's Empire who kind of does similar stuff. Gatos Montez does like the hand lacing and the stone work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, um, nobody's doing all the color work and the stamping like I do. And it's, it's, it's refreshing to know that like, I'm, you know, one of the only people doing it and it's, it's weird. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? There's so many people painting. There's so many people doing wire wraps and jewelry and stuff like that. And there's, right. you know, um, nobody's doing leather. It's all those cool. all those people you just mentioned are they kind of part of the like festival? Yeah, circuit? you can see them mostly at music festivals. Uh, they tour all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, they're my favorites. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like there's lots of leather artists out there. For sure. A lot of my favorites are um, from Russia and Japan. Oh, cool. Korea. Yeah. Yeah. There's this new blue sky leather. She's like really lightly burned leather and then she paints over top of it it looks like comic book stuff it's gorgeous nice yeah uh so how do you paint on leather um well uh so there's um there's acrylic paints that you can actually dye i use i use leather dye i use alcohol-based leather dye there's water-based which is very mundane Mm -hmm. kind of muted colors that are very earthy and um, they just don't saturate the way that I like my colorful, bold stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up in a motorcycle shop where everything was black and had skulls or roses <laughs> on it or flames or something like that. You know, it was black with red flames, Woo! you know, uh, yeah. which, which is cool. But, you know, or, or the Western Sheridan style where you've got that floral, like, you know, flower pattern with all the vines, which is very psychedelic in its own realm, but it's been done for 180 years. And yeah. it's like, I've yeah. never personally done one of those pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's not what my kids like. You know what I mean? I like to do what the kids like. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's fun to to see how different things will translate on my, you know, not, I couldn't just carve anything like your, your, I couldn't carve your work. It's too deep. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't ever translate well. Just simple, like line, simple line work is great. You know, uh, making there's, there's ways to make it 3d, but, um, it's, uh, it's, um, it kind of just works that way. Um, anyway, when you carve it, but, um, there's actual indention tools and stuff like that where you can mold like a skull face and, you know, actually make the cheekbones and all the little indentions and stuff. And it's, it's cool to get deep in and make it 3d and like actually have your relief standing out like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that, uh, so much went into it. Well, when your leather's wet, it's almost like clay. It's very malleable. It's very formable. Like making a leather mask, all you got to do is get it wet and, Mm -hmm. and, and form it and let it dry. And, uh, I've seen some crazy mask work too. We've done a few. My apprentice, uh, Jenna, she does really awesome mm-hmm. mask work. If you go back to last year's New Year's Eve around that area on my Instagram, Lost mm-hmm. Taylor Leather, you can uh, see all of her work. It's really vibrant. And I gave her boxes of scraps and told her to just get fucking weird with it. And nice. she got fucking weird with it. It's really cool. I was very Fuck impressed. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's uh, Lost Sailor Leather, yep. everyone. Yeah, Instagram. Shameless plug. Yeah, yep. plug away, man. Yep, absolutely. My Facebook group on on Facebook is called is. Lost Sailor Leather as well, and I'm super active on there. I'm always giving stuff away and doing auctions and yeah, man. Yeah, engaging with people. I love my people. They they let me come to Denver and do yeah. podcasts, and you know, this is wallet and belt money that I flew out here with. So I'm super grateful for that. And 
I love that my stuff's functional, you know. Mm -hmm. You can't strap a painting to your back and go into a a restaurant (laughs) and start talking about it. But if you whip your wallet out and somebody sees it, it strikes up so many conversations. And, you know, how many times have you left your house because... And then had to go back because you forgot your wallet. You know what I mean? Oh, like, your entire life's in there. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? All the things that you needed to buy or, or to use to buy are in there. So, for sure, it's cool. Yeah, it's nice to be able to wear some art every now and then. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, you can. Well, how like how much art can you get? You got jewelry. You got a hat. You got t-shirts. You know, mm-hmm. maybe some cool pants. And realistically, like yeah, a belt and a wallet is. I feel like there's this, this. Uh, I don't know. Um, what do you call it? There, there's these things that you have to wear if you go to a festival. You have to have grassroots hat with a bunch of pins. You got to have your third eye pine cone. Yeah. <laughs> John's got his John's hat on. John Gay's in the back paint right now. Hey, Johnny. Hi. Say hi, John. Hi. Hey. How's everybody doing? No, he's got uh, the Andy head on. I Lost Sailor Designs uh, podcast today. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they will. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I love this boy. <laughs> well, so. let's, let's talk about... Um, your journey a little bit because this these are always interesting stories i think uh how long should we have, start at the beginning i mean yeah how long have you been in this world this uh, uh, so i'm a fourth world. generation leathersmith i grew up in a motorcycle leather shop and i've been to sturgis and daytona and did all that crazy biker stuff like i was Hell talking yeah, about and so uh i went to bonnaroo in 2003 and dude i was there yeah that was my was, first festival that was my first festival too crazy this bump boom. and uh I had gone to so many motorcycle rallies, which is full of vending, and it's yeah. just the same thing, pinstriping and pins and leather shop and bars and restaurants. And it was the same thing, only it was all this awesome, cool stuff that I loved. And, like, it, right. the party was going all night. People were selling food and chemicals and art. And, <laughs> you know, it was a makeshift setup, and I was like, man, I could fucking do this. And then I got to my car, and I was like, I didn't see a single person making any leather items out there. I didn't see anything. And so... Wow. I started making um, widespread motherfucking panic belts for all my friends for Christmas because that's <laughs> yeah. what I was into back then. And um, started doing Mo stuff. And then because I worked in that leather shop, I had all kinds of access to tools and dye. And uh, so on my off time, I would just you know make keychains and stuff like that and use little leather scraps. And ironically, like I gave away so many little keychains in the parking lot back then. And now... I like I sponsor music festivals with my keychains. So oh, yeah. full circle, those little scraps are, you know, were the start, but they're still like the most important thing in my life. They actually pay my bills, which I'm super grateful for. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, <laughs> I just ran around parking lots selling leather and making stuff for a three night run or for, you know, perpetual groove. I did a lot of Mo and then Sound Tribe really boosted my my. Uh, career i worked with conscious alliance and used oh, to nice. give a lot of stuff to donations for them uh, for the sound tribe runs and then um tawny at grassroots gave me a nice little uh leg up and we did like 350 hat bills on the bottom so that Ooh. got my name out there and then nice man um yeah i was working in jacksonville and lost my job and kind of had to throw all of my christmas money that i made on orders into my business and i went to gem and jam and uh back when i was at the slaughterhouse and it was a three-day festival and mm-hmm. it was just it was incredible the rent was low and uh the attendance was full and it was only like five o'clock in the afternoon till three so it was it was shorter and better but um i almost sold out that weekend and nice. i was just like obviously this is what i need to do for a living so right. i just started putting everything into it it's and that sign. was about seven years ago and now nice. i took year last year off the road and didn't do any festivals and i just mainly lived off website orders and uh you guys kept me afloat so uh 
Yeah. So Hell shouts. Yeah, fuck yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah. Keep, keep supporting the Smasher. <laughs> Hell yeah. So um, you've been going to festivals since 2003? 2003. Nice. Yep. And yeah. you've done, I, I mean, the way I met you was that you were running an art gallery at a festival called Impulse down in Georgia. Georgia. Georgia, yep. yeah. And um, yeah, that was kind of the first time I met a bunch of like Southeast crew and stuff. Um, so if you want to talk about like what it's like running a festival gallery and like uh, that was such a great passion project for me um mm-hmm. because i had done all those art or those motorcycle rallies with my mom uh we had giant tents and grid wall and lights and i had a, a way to transport all this stuff and it just sat in our yard mm-hmm. when we weren't using it so it was the perfect opportunity to just hey i've got everything you need all you have to do is give us the opportunity and we'll come there and kind of set everything up so nice um we did that, and uh, it. I did maybe like fifteen or eighteen festivals in five or six years. Wow! Did a lot of them at the Spirit of the Swanee, which is one of my favorite places on earth. Hell yeah! Shouts! And, uh, love Hulaween. that place, Halloween. We just. I just saw you there, and yeah. I was a sponsor for that. I made coasters this year for the VIP swag bags, and I took about five hundred keychains and hid them all over the Spirit Lake early in the morning, so that the first people to get in there could find little trinkets and that's fun start their day out positively. yeah yeah it's cool to like give people something to interact with on that level you know it's it's kind of um it just engages your your audience it's a it's just a little like some of those have been some of the most important people said it's one of the important things that they had all weekend like just knowing nice. and i put them in a place where i don't just throw them on the ground i like right place them where you were supposed to find it there and nice um, so uh you know the art galleries were great they just like any festivals, I'm sure that I never got the budget that was supposed to, um, to, you know, nobody really got, a, uh, any kind of per diem to travel. Uh, you know, sure. all we were given is space and tickets. Half the time we didn't get fed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, your festival says music and arts on it. And then, you know, you treat artists like secondhand citizens for the most <laughs> part. And I mean, I get it. You have to save money everywhere, but you know, it, it's they're just as part of the entertainment and the and the ambiance as the music in my opinion totally it's almost yeah. you almost can't have a music festival anymore without an arts program it's it's almost two or hand in hand yeah i mean well yeah you're definitely preaching to the choir here yeah um, and halloween you know i appreciate how much energy goes into their art program i'm yeah. sure we got a shout out anya and anya, steven teller steven right teller now. yeah, yeah. I'm, that's somebody i'm unbelievably proud of he was in my gallery the first time, just like you. Mm. Um, I got him his first mural gig at 1904 in Jacksonville, Jason Honeycutt, uh, another great patrons of the arts. He's gotten Chris Dyer to come down there and paint for him, and they do an open painting and during art walks down there. But now he's doing eight-story buildings in Chicago, yeah, and man. he's just blowing it up. And so Big you know, just, just keep doing what you're doing, and eventually... Um, it'll, uh, it'll, it'll pan out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So you've been doing leather for pretty much all your life. Yeah. Um, for fun for about, uh, 17 years for, for my art, but I've been doing it since I was six years old. Wow. So your family, it was like a family business. Yeah. Me and my mom, my mom Mm -hmm. lost her job and, um, was really not very, uh, um, didn't know what she was going to do. She kind of lost her job for, uh, for, um, holistic reasons. John's mm-hmm. cooking dinner, so that's he's got to feed the dogs. So that's what it sounds. It sounds good. awesome back there. Yeah. Can um, you guys smell that? It smells really good too. Mm, it's like can you noodles smell and what eggs. John is cooking. 
It's actually dog food. He's uh, taking care of Corey's. On, on our podcast, yep. you, Thank you, you can actually do smell. this, Corey. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, he went to go visit his family out in uh, I think I lately. think we've probably done like 20 shout outs so far. Yeah, shout I, out to the shout outs. Yeah, I yeah. mean. <laughs> um, so uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. So um, there, you know, there wasn't that much money that was involved with that, which is never, you know, I know that uh, somebody tried to charge you 40% on your gallery. And I don't know if that was just because it was such a long trip or if they were trying to dissuade you from putting your artwork in the gallery. But all I know is that I never single ever charged a percentage for anybody to be in my gallery, but that was a personal thing. And I wasn't trying to do it as a career. And I obviously realized that people have to do that. This was a passion project for me. I just wanted to get, your art friends. out there. I had yeah. I had the opportunity. It was it was a way for me to go and party and have fun. I mean, if you mm-hmm. know me, I was quite the shit show back in the day, and it was a glorious shit show. But it's it you know, uh, it was it was good. But yeah, definitely. Um, I lost my job uh, being the art coordinator at the Swanee for uh, mooning the police more than <laughs> one time. <laughs> That's okay, a great story. You want to hear that one? Yeah, That's let's a good one. Let's jump right into this story. We'll All keep right. a pin. We want to keep a pin um, with. Uh, where you and your mom were doing leather, but let's okay, jump great. into this yeah, story. Yeah, we jump back that. And I can, um, I can edit stuff. Good in call. Too. Yeah. So um, I was art coordinator at um, uh, Purple Hatter's Ball, which is a, a festival that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, sure. And uh, for five years, we kind of flew under the radar. If you know about the Swanee, they've got... Um, their police and undercovers there. So for the first four or five years, we didn't, you know, it was, it was a benefit show. It wasn't billed as a festival. And so we kind of got away with murder and it was mm-hmm. wonderful. It was mm-hmm. wide open. It was beautiful. We had a great time. Nobody got in trouble. Nobody did anything stupid. And Emily Kell made these little pieces of cloth the year before out of tank top material. She just made a tube tops with her art printed on. Then I got wasty, wasty and wore one and put funk this, uh, pasties on and was flashing people all weekend. <laughs> so I felt like I had to step it up the next year, I guess. Mm. And there was a police presence there this year and they didn't arrest anybody all day long for two days. And so they saw me, uh, one of them saw me moon, uh, the people in the gallery and they like, he grabbed me by the throat and threw me on the ground and said there was children now and how disrespectful I was. And then like, there's all these girls walking around topless and with their boobs painted too. So I'm just like, uh, okay, whatever, hypocritical. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I went back to camp and kind of got my shit back together a little bit and stopped pouting. And Andy Reid was spinning a a secret set or um, uh, what do you call that? Um, Silent disco set. Uh, And so I went backstage and hung out with them. And somebody was like, dude, I heard you got accosted by the police. I'm like, yeah, for doing this. And I mooned him really quick. And like one of the cops just walked across the dance floor and tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, let's go. And he took me to jail. Mm. And uh, (laughs) I got public intoxication. Thank God I'm not a... A registered sex offender. That yeah, would've, that would have been glorious. That would have been, been unfortunate. We probably I mean, would not be sitting here. Right now. Oh, we would. I just would have had a really, really interesting talk with all of my neighbors first about how I moon my friends at a, you know, at a festival. At, yeah, at, at a festival. I just tell them the truth. It's just. Yeah. True, anyway, true. <laughs> um, so at the end of this, you know, I apologize to all the artists because, you know, it was very unprofessional of me. And um, we closed down the gallery and I went to the Swanee to go swim. And one of my friends, Alex, was like, dude, what happened? I was like, I went to jail for this. And I mooned everybody on the on the beach. <laughs> and I hear, Trantham, boy, did you just fucking go to jail for that the other <laughs> night? And I was like, uh, yes, sir. He's like, boy, you don't fucking learn, do you? The officer who drove me to the police station was in his canoe off duty at that exact moment in the river. 
And I, <laughs> is it possible that the cops were actually just, just trying probably, to look at your ass? I know. Because, like, to me, that sounds some, like... Oh, no, there are some good old boys, People dude. following they, you around. Yeah. I don't know. No, it was They just, got people waiting perfect. in the so bushes. So I lost my job there, but... The, the silver lining to that is I never really focused on my art when I was focused on everybody else. You know, I took that opportunity sure. to go party. I could right. have taken that opportunity to do really, really good things with the gallery mm-hmm. if I would have treated it as a potential career as opposed to a means to an end, like going to festivals for free. Right, I mean, right. I set up my, my art in there too, but I never really focused on it. I just made right. sure you guys had your place. And then I went out and raged. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that, because of me losing that job, now, you know, obviously, this is my full-time career. And uh, yeah. I w- couldn't be more thankful. And, so, uh, you know, I don't yeah. think that I would have focused on it at all. Totally. Yeah. Totally. That's interesting, man. So, um, back to my mama. God rest uh, her soul. She just passed away yeah. almost a year ago in December by a drunk driver. Um, I recommend all you guys don't drink and drive. Take an Uber. It's a lot cheaper and it's mm-hmm. a lot safer. And, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, how's that? So, I mean, I don't know how to ask this question other than go for it. What it's what is it like to lose? Um, a that she was my, you know, for me, I, I don't have that person to talk to anymore. Like when I, for me, uh, she's who taught me how to do leather work, and you mm-hmm. know, she's the only person I was trying to impress anymore. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. she's the one that I would have bragged to when I got you know something really going on with my business. I mean, I love my family to death, right. but I wasn't really super close to them like I am. My dad's really not in the picture so much. Right. And then, um, you know, I've got I've got really good close friends that I talk to, but like that was the person that I wanted to impress. And she, you know, I know in whatever realm she's in, she's still um, very very impressed with what I'm doing and very proud of me. But yeah, I feel like you know I. Has it changed your art any? Has it changed your stuff? Not at all. It no. really hasn't changed. The only thing that it's changed is I am about seven months sober. Okay. I uh, after she died, and I've always struggled with alcohol. Probably I've been an alcoholic heavily for about eight years, and mm-hmm. um, I just was. It wasn't fun anymore. I wasn't mm. fun. It was a bingey kind of thing where I would go out and get stupid and not remember the night and spend a bunch of money and not be able to do artwork for two days because I just wasn't into it. And yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I've probably lost a bunch of relationships and a bunch of friends. And obviously that night that I lost my job at the Swanee, I was pretty lit. You know what I mean? So I can think of all the horrible things that I've done in my life and alcohol was involved with all of them. So, Mm. you know, I like all the other fun shit. It's great. But, you know, I don't make horrible life changing decisions on any of that stuff. Right. Yeah. I think we all have, um, a substance or two that might just be like an Achilles heel. For I mean, our, it's so for our easily, well-being, you know? it's so it's so easy. It's so socially acceptable to be a shit show on alcohol because it's legal. You know what I mean? So totally. Um, but yeah, for me, it just I needed to make a better change and a different, you know, a difference. And it was kind of to honor her as well. And um, yeah, it's been nothing but good things ever since. You know what I mean? I can't honestly right. give you a negative. Um, I'm not the life quote unquote of the party. I'm not the center of attention. Like I used to be, you know, I'm not the loudest kid in the room, which is probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, I used to like, you know, like when, I, when we were talking about doing story time, like I loved just having that. I, I was an yeah. actor for eight years. So to be able to mm-hmm. like improv and be witty on the spot, alcohol really, really mm-hmm. helped that. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. uh, I still got sweet dance moves though. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you're you know. still on the spot. You're still on point. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been good. And I, I encourage anybody who has been thinking about it, just do it. You can still have a blast, you know, in my twenties, you know, my friends probably would have said, ah, you're fine. You can do it. Now that I'm in my thirties, I have gotten nothing 
but support from every single oh, person totally. in my life. Like not a single person is like, oh, you know what I mean? I haven't lost anybody. Right. You know what I mean? Over right. So, totally. And if I did, you know, fuck them. Yeah. They're probably These de- bitches. dealing with their own alcoholism. Of course. Yeah, of course you know point. what I mean? And like, it's not like that. And I'm not, you know, I know that it's hard for a lot of people to be around alcohol after they've done. I'm not struggling at all. Yeah. yeah. That, which I'm unbelievably grateful that I can still go out and be around everybody and not be triggered by that. And, Hell yeah. So a it's nice been, good microdosing will help you with that too. You know, yeah, yeah. It'll really change your brain a little bit. Yeah. Do you want to talk about how psychedelics have affected my your life? My business name is Lost Sailor Design. Gen- the acronym is LSD. I'm a huge proponent <laughs> of that. Nice. Um, it's, you know, I've never been a huge psychonaut. I've never been somebody to eat, you know, a quarter sheet and go run around and run my, take my clothes off. <laughs> I like one and done, you know, yeah, it's oh, totally. a nice enhancement of the night. I, I learn a lot and I don't, I don't do it when I make my artwork. I'm, you know, I just, I drink coffee and smoke weed all day when I'm working artwork, um, nice. anything else. Like even when I did drink, if I were to take one shot or would drink one beer my motivation to make art would go from 100% to 10%. And I, nine yeah. times out of 10, I just quit for the rest of the night. I actually so, feel you on that one. You like, know what I, I mean? It makes me lazy. Paint. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for the most part, you know, my I treat my job like a nine to f- or my art like a nine to five. I don't. I'm not a night owl. Mine's really loud too, and I've got roommates. I can't be yeah smashing a hammer at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, what what's up with your routine? Is it just straight up nine to five? Or? Um, no, I mean, well, kind of. I get up mm-hmm. in the morning. I take care of my dog, who's the coolest dog in the world. Hi, Nelly. <laughs> Shout out to Nelly. Uh, yeah, she's a cool dog, and. Um, Take care of her in the morning. Uh, me and my roommate Josh go to the gym almost mm-hmm. every day, and nice. I'm trying to take care of this body a little bit more now that I quit drinking. It's a lot easier. Yeah, I did it forever, and then one night of drinking would just destroy all of my progress. So, mm. and then um, what's your favorite exercise? Uh, oh Jesus Christ, I hate them all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fat and out of shape. I hate them all. Um, I like. Uh, Shit, what do I like? John's I like, saying walking. I like dancing. Dancing, dancing yeah, is yeah. probably my there favorite, go, yeah. you know what I mean? But I don't do that at the gym, so. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, um, you know, make a decent <laughs> breakfast, and then I jump in the studio and do all my emails at about 8.39 in the morning. And oh, nice. I, uh, so you usually, up early. Usually, yeah. Um, usually, I, I'm getting old. I get up at like 7 in the morning because I have to take a piss, and then I can't yeah. go back to sleep. My yeah. body tells me what to fucking do. Yeah. Um, and then I uh, go to... Uh, Sometimes I take a nap in the middle of the day, like the next three hours and like, you know, from like two to five or from like three to six. And then I get up and take care of the dog again and then usually work till 10 or 11 and then veg out on some TV for the rest of the night and sleep and then rinse, repeat. And if there's a show involved, um, you know, we might go to the gym a little bit later the next day or sometimes we'll skip it altogether. It depends Mm -hmm. on, you know, how late the night was, but yeah, um, that's kind of what the move was when I took a year off the road. I lost a lot of money at two music festivals that I usually relied on making a shit ton of money at that, or not a shit ton, but just consistently made a good amount that I couldn't rely on. And I did an entire year of tour and like ended up in debt, and I shouldn't have to work that hard Ooh. and be in debt, you know? Yeah. What I mean? So. Uh, yeah, we took this year off and one of the, the goals of this year and the al- tra- quitting alcohol was definitely part of that, but I wanted to get on a, a regular routine. I, being yeah. on the road is so hard to eat well yeah. and to exercise. Like I don't want to pull over at a rest area and, and go do some crunches in the middle of a field <laughs> and then get all sweaty and then go sit in my car with three other people for six or seven hours. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. It's not a conducive environment for that. Sure. You know, I don't So were, do- were you hitting every weekend type thing or no, we'll every see. other so weekend unlike you know uh you know and unlike somebody who sells apparel i can't just 
put in a, a reorder for my stuff. And when you I fill up a store, it. I have to physically make everything. So right. when I go on the road for three festivals in a row, I have to make enough stuff so that, you know, by the third festival, I'm not completely empty. So I have to right. make way more than I even really need and know that I'd sell. And, you know, not every piece is a zinger. I definitely have some pieces that have sat on the, you know. Well, I you've made thousands and thousands. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I've I mean, made 10, 20,000 keychains alone, not alone. Yeah. Ooh. Maybe like five or 6,000 belts, probably. Damn. Yeah. My tools, I mean, I spent a lot of money on my tools, um, but they're, you know, I, I, it's a swing of the hammer and you get your impression in for a lot of it. I hand carve a lot of stuff, but that's mm -hmm. so much more money that. My tools, I've got so many of them. There's infinite amounts of, uh, of combinations that you could make. You and, know what I mean? And uh, I don't know really how to say it, but basically it's like a hammer and either a stamp or some sort of like chisel. You're kind of, it's almost like. So there's, so there's two different types. I've got carving and stamping. Um, stamping is uh, getting leather wet. You place your stamp. It's a backwards image of what you're going to do reversed mm -hmm. and then. Uh, you hit it with a mallet. It's a plastic mallet. So you can use one made out of leather. It's rawhide. Um, mm. Can't use metal though. It just it vibrates just, through your hands. And uh, the big plastic head will bounce off this. My pla my tools are made out of Delrin. It's a type of polymer plastic. And I've got this great company in South Carolina that makes them for me. And like they've got lines on the outside, so I can line it up. They you know square off the edges on the outside, so you can make it look nice and straight. And uh, yeah, he makes me look good. I've got over 300 stamps. You know, when I first started, I could barely afford a couple of them. And now, like, I'm doing so well that I can just order a stamp and use it and then incorporate it. You know, like somebody wanted a Colorado flag, so I got it the other day. I mm -hmm. mean, I think people like Colorado. Ooh, thank you. Yeah, it seems like people like Colorado. So how do they make uh, the stamps? Is it like a laser These thing? are lasered, yeah. yeah. Um, there's this company in... Um, Albania that I get these little um, brass stamps and I'm sure they're machined as well um, and uh, they're tiny little stamps but they're little embellishing stamps that I use around and all my detail work and he uses a lot of repeating patterns and the, which is what I'm really into right now is the repeating patterns and leather it just it translates so well it looks yeah. so classy on there and yeah man yep. so were you and your mom working together back in the day? Yeah, like, well, so I basically, she's a single woman, um, mm -hmm. and she started with $600 in a box of purses and wallets that my uncle gave her. And nice. I grew up at, um, in flea market culture, which is quite interesting for is sure. It, I see a lot of parallels between that and the like vending it, booths at festivals. It's and stuff. very similar, except it's like, it's a lot, it used to be a lot older. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of like I remember that people used to get there at five in the morning to start Ooh. going through the junk and stuff, and now it's more like a nine to five, ten to four kind of thing. And really, yeah, it's it's a lot of junk and Chinese crap out there, and it's not as as um, as yard saley as it used to be. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's candle shops and yeah. cheap leather, and like those those giant stores of one and five dollar things, and they take up like 50, 50 booths full of just spatulas and yeah just junky stuff and mm -hmm. uh but we we started with a little booth and we were we were uh what's great about us is we we handmade stuff and so that's kind of where mm -hmm. i learned how to do a lot of my leather work was uh, making gun holsters and knife holsters and then um saddle bags and um let's see there's um 
Uh, I just I learned a lot of retail. I learned like kind of like the hot sellers. Yeah. And you know I learned. Did you learn how to like talk to people? Learn how to talk to people. I learned how to like you know kind of um, <clears throat> shut off your ins- you know I mean I learned a lot of that in the theater too. That's what I got my degree in. But um, to kind of shut off your insecurities and just play the part like yeah you know. Uh, I could talk to a beautiful woman in my store and, and flirt and, and have fun and realize, and then I go to a bar and try to do it. I'm like, Pfft. and I don't understand why. Because it's not why, the same hat. Because, right, exactly. Wearing, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, it, it's all in, in good fun. I would never actually try to approach somebody at work because that's just, right. it's just, you know, it's disrespectful. Like, you sure. don't ask a waitress for their phone number because, right. it was she gonna, you know, like, that's putting her in such a horrible position. Yeah. So, like I never, job. I never, you know, I never tried to date any of my customers, but I definitely had a lot of fun with them because because it was because it was there was that barrier there mm-hmm. so uh, I definitely learned how to uh, do a lot of like and if you hear me I ho- I'm, I'm like a carnival barker in my yeah, store you know totally. I, I holler and get people going and it's a lot of fun to to, to heckle people and um, for any it, art, artists listening who's like maybe struggling a little bit with selling stuff in person and having some hang-ups about like letting go of their art and what to price it at and stuff oh, like man. what would you say to someone like that so i actually teach class a uh, uh, seminar on that basically i do it at festivals and i do it at my local leather shop but it's how to take your passion and turn it into a profit because that's basically what this was this is a hobby that turned into a full-time career for me sure and you know what i've got to say is um you d- Jeez, you can you can so wait much. and think. There's it, so as much. Long I was gonna to. say, um, value your time. You can always go down. You can never go up on your price. You right. Know what I mean, you don't know what people are gonna spend. Um, I I find that if you're gonna be an artist and you want to do it full time, instead of trying to do it in the gallery settings to actually have your own booth, that kind of intimate setting really focuses people. Mm-hmm. When there's so much to look at in a gallery, and people are, you know, somebody will ask me, "Did you paint all these?" And like, right. there's 16 artists in here. You don't want to be rude, but <laughs> the classic question. You know what I mean? Wow, how long did it take you to paint <laughs> all these? Many. Like, I realize that you know, you just you just don't know, and it's cute and it's naive, but like, sure, you know, uh, when you're that when it's that overwhelming. You don't know where to start. You don't, you know, you can't pinpoint when you go to and, one place. Right. Like I've even shared booth space and, and realized it, that I lose a lot of sales because they'll see that they'll buy that. And then they don't even realize that there's another artist. And right, this right. transaction is finished. I'm going to turn around and walk out. Totally. You know what I mean? So, yeah, totally. Um, totally. Um, uh, let's see what else. Uh, use your artwork, uh, you know, apply to every festival. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The answer is always no. Um, uh, if you don't, if, the answer is <laughs> always no. Apply. If you don't apply, excuse yeah, yeah, me, let me finish sure, that sure. statement. The answer is always no. You're Jared always going to suffer. There's the no festivals. cake. There's no yeah. birthday. <laughs> Nothing like that. Um, <laughs> no, but, but seriously, yeah, you know, just keep like you know giving use, it a you shot. Know, right? give, you know, send. Hey, do you guys want to use my artwork for poster art? You know what I mean? And do this. Like, there's there's many ways to get your artwork out there if you're willing to give up that kind of. Some people don't want to give up their their babies like that, sure. which I completely understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you want to like you know if you want to merchandise, there's there's many ways to do that. There's a lot of ways to get your artwork out there. Totally. Um, and there's so many channels on social media. Like if if you're not using social media to your advantage every single day, look at people like Aaron Brooks mm-hmm. and Chris Dyer, yeah, who are always it. doing Instagram stuff. They're always doing live art. They're always doing auctions and stuff like that. And 
they're always engaging with their people. You know, most of my artist friends are very introverted people and don't like to talk. I'd say that's kind John of a... John Gay is very, very much like that. Don't... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and some people get overwhelmed by crowds and they do their best work when they're alone at home. And there's some people that like Chris Remorphous who wants to be on stage painting and he's a showman and he yeah. gets into it and it's awesome to watch. Oh yeah. So there's so many different Shouts. varieties. You got to figure out what you want to do. And, you know, the, 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 the demography that you're looking for, do you really want to go to a festival and do this kind of thing? Or do you want to go somewhere a little, you know, classier? Or do you want to just make stuff for animals and, and yeah, veterinary yeah. offices and <laughs> stuff like, like, do, what do you want to do? Yeah. And, uh, you got to know yourself you gotta, and you got to, right. You got to just, I mean, you got to know yourself and yeah. you got to, you got to, you got to just keep putting yourself out there mm -hmm. and you got to get rejected a million times and you got to take that rejection in stride and realize that it's not your art. It's the time, it's the place, it's the budget, it's their opinion. Not everybody's yeah. going to like your art. Right. You, know you got to I mean? get comfortable There's with that. There's so many artists out there that I absolutely <laughs> respect and adore, and I probably would never buy one of their pieces because it doesn't resonate with me. Sure. Does that make me a bad person? Does that make me say that I don't like their art? No, I just don't. It doesn't. It's not my shit, man. Right. It's not my bag. Right. The whole, you know, I your, your jam band sucks because I don't like it as much that whole fight and the whole oh, like, god, god damn it that. just let people enjoy their their things you know what i mean right so if i have to hear two dudes arguing about who the greatest rhythm guitarist is around a campfire ever again i might go crazy I don't know. clearly <laughs> clearly without question anyway who is so it? i don't know yeah no okay. I, don't, I don't care oh man we went off the rails there we um, always do yeah it's good times good times Whew. You can talk, yeah. I am. I'm a talker. I mean, you should. I love talking to my customers. See, and that's an, one thing. Yeah, let's I, get back I, to that. Like, I go like, I how do you go, talk to a customer? I am unbelievably approachable and just like you know, there's no, there's. I'll usually just scream, "Come look at my cool shit!" at the end of my booth, and I either <laughs> scare you away or you're very interested in cool shit. And that's a good way it's to weed people out. Anyway. It is. It's very yeah. matter of fact. Like you know, I don't feel like I need to put a spiel or some kind of showman on. Like sure, sure. I don't even dress up. You know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna put right. on a uniform or something like that. It's. I mean, we're all there to have fun. It's, right. it's super casual, but because you know, because it's not fine art. You know, it's still art, but because it's not fine art, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's 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 so much more matter of fact and so much more one on one. Yeah. But also people like to talk to the person who made it. They like to have that experience. That's a they great want, point. That's why being Listen having a booth one. at a festival as opposed to just having right. a gallery open, they get to go home and tell their friends, I sat here and rapped with Andrew for forty five minutes about this piece and because he told me all about it, I just fucking fell in love with it and I bought it and then I bought my girl. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that kind of experience goes a long way from I walked into a store and bought a print from the person who was running the booth. You know what I mean? That's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. just mundane. So. Totally. Yeah, that one-on-one -on -one interaction is so important. And I love what and I just, do. So, and I want to yeah. meet my customers and I want to talk to them because they're usually cool as fuck for the most part. Mm -hmm. Everybody in this scene. And that's another thing that I've learned too is, you know, if you've got an artist that you absolutely adore and love and you, you there's no need to put them up on a pedestal. They're very goofy, weird, stupid people with all that's this what this podcast. They just happen to about. practice at what they do a lot more. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, yeah. That's There's what this so many artists about, out there dude. who I've I mean, absolutely hated their artwork when they first got started. And now they're some of my favorite artists. You were one of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hated your work. Yeah, I did I didn't too. hate it. It just I, didn't it was speak just to like, me. Meh. You know what I mean? But that, that kind of, you know, 
John, John used really, really bright colors when he first started. And I didn't hate it. I loved it. Besides, I don't like your bright colors that you use, but Jonathan Saucer, I like his bright colors. <laughs> Such a dick. But now, look at so much later, you know, it's... it's. I toned down my color palette. I mean, but but this yeah. speaks to, you know, like, this but, speaks you know, to, like, taking criticism well, Criticism too. well. You yeah. know, I didn't and say I didn't like his work. Yeah. I loved his work, but it was way too bright for my taste. You sure, know what I mean? Sure. And now his shit is subtle and sexy, and his palettes are fucking gorgeous. You know what I mean? I agree. And, uh, yeah, so his depth's <laughs> getting fire. Yours is, too. Like you, um, Thanks, buddy. I mean, I could, I could talk leaps and bounds about 150 to 500 artists who have just gone from... Who've gone, from, who've gone from, you know, like uh, just from just being little snot-nosed kids running around selling prints and pins to like, oh, I have this entire clothing company and I'm, you know, right. doing my own thing. And like, you know, it's it's refreshing. I don't think that there's another scene out there quite like ours that takes you can fans climb the ladder and so molds well. them yeah. into something, whether you're working backstage or yeah. running lights or right. You know, starting a grilled cheese a store. Point, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, or you know, or like you know, somebody who made stupid pins is now making the official pins for these festivals, and that's another. That's that's what's refreshing too is how inviting this scene is. They they yeah. are welcoming to this kind of thing as opposed to like shutting it down. Exactly, and yeah. and you know, and and I'm not involved in in the other scenes as much, but I don't see punk rock kids making their own t-shirts and sell them in the parking lots you know what i mean oh yeah well they might be i don't maybe. know i haven't been to a punk show since i was like 15 or something so i i went to i think i was like 29 and i had a grateful dead shirt and flip-flops and i went to a, a warp tour and totally got in the pit and got my fucking feet stomped on it was great did Not you make any souls. friends always yeah hell yeah i'm a diplomat i can go anywhere yeah i'm a big fuzzy bear everybody <laughs> wants to talk to me oh yeah so wait, who'd you mosh pit to? Bouncing Souls. Don't even know who they are. They're a uh, um, yeah, punk band from New Jersey. They're fun. They're okay. a lot of fun. Did you yeah. see Tool this year? I did not. Yeah, um, I haven't. I missed You know, they took so damn long to get their album out, I kind of forgot they existed, and now I'm just a fucking bass head. And like, oh. I listened to the new album, and I was like, yeah, it sounds like Tool. You know, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of flack for that, but they're unbelievably yeah, talented. Tell, tell Jared what you think about that. Yeah, it's an unbelievably talented band, but like it, they took way too long to put an album out, and it's 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 good. It's whatever. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, I mean, nice. I'm not. I'd and again, like them. that's the thing. Even a band like Tool, not everybody's going to love your stuff. No. Not everyone, but like you want to go deep. You don't want to go wide. Yeah. With your stuff, just like. And Pick that lane and dive as deep as you fucking can. <laughs> the weirdos who are like you are going to love your shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice little brain fart there. Yeah. We can take oh, a break, too. Cool. Let's take I got to pee. Break. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to cause me some editing trouble. Hey, so do you think that um, every great artist has to go through some sort of hardship to get to where they're at? No. No? No. I mean, it certainly helps. I mean, no. Uh, you know, I think that... 
I really think it depends on the person. Some people take adversity and turn it around, that take that frown and turn it upside down. Some people use every little thing in their life and create a tragedy out of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you can't not teach somebody to just be woe is me, my art sucks. Uh, you know what I mean? Right. You can give them a million pep talks, but until they step out of their own way, mm-hmm. there's no progress that's going to be done. And I'm the kind of person that likes to look at every opportunity, whether like, you know, this shitty thing happened to me back here. But then I look at where I'm at now and I'm like, if this bad thing wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have had this path to take either this choice or this choice. Totally. I could have sat down and took my fucking blows or I could have used that opportunity to become a better person and to grow and to adapt and to figure out how to do it better the next time. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, um, this is not a nine to five gig. This is right. a very subjective, you know what I mean? Nobody mm. needs art. Right. And then everybody fucking needs art. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's very hard to, you know, like to, when you're not taught how to market and how to talk, right. If you're an introspective person who gets anxiety talking in more than three people, right. How is that person going to sell their art? I mean, I get it. That's, right. that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself, but um, something that my theater teacher taught me a long time ago was, and they, well, they didn't teach me. They just said this out loud and it's always resonated. Your audience wants you to succeed 99.97% of the time, which means like you go out on stage and you're scared that everybody's going to laugh at you. Mm-hmm. It's a nervous laugh if you fuck up or something like that, but they don't want to see you miserably fail. They want to no. see that show succeed and they yeah. want to give you a standing ovation. Yeah. So you got to keep that in the back of your head when you start doubting yourself. Totally. And yeah, I mean, they came there to get a life-affirming experience, whatever it is, whether it's comedy, theater, mm-hmm. music, Going to art. Going art show or something yeah, like yeah. that, you know? Yeah. It, you know, there's people, there's a million people who have opened, had an art opening and they didn't sell a single piece. And that can be sure. devastating. There's people that, you know, put they sell every single piece the very first art show that they do. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you're a better or worse artist. There's no comparison. You just, you know what I mean? Like, it just you have to adapt and change and learn, you know, you can either, you know, let it kick you in the balls or you can become a better person because of it. And, you know, I realize that a lot of people might get way more short ends of the sticks and they see other people, you know, just succeeding and succeeding, but you really don't know what those people are going through either. You right. only see the success. Like I try to never put my, uh, woe, sad bear shit online. Right. You know, right some right. people do that and it's going to affect your sales. Earth, you know what I mean, like yeah. people don't remember the negative stuff they remember the positive stuff i think that what that is is i guess just resilience of character or you just put into a Mm -hmm. situation where you have to change something about your personality maybe a flaw maybe a shortcoming maybe something you're doing too much and and just like adjust to what reality is giving you feedback about yeah i mean there's so much there's so many different factors. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I realistically, I don't even know how I could have sold my art if it wasn't for the internet. Right. And it's Same. such an incredible tool. I wouldn't have known that all of you people even existed if it wasn't for the internet. Absolutely. You know, unless I went to a show in the town that you live in. Right. You know what I mean? And so I'm unbelievably grateful that I can run my entire business from this stupid fucking piece of plastic in my hand all the time. <laughs> It runs my life, but it's it's a good thing. You know what I mean? It's well, I think everything comes with there's a, a double edge. I, of course. You know? Well, I mean, you know, I definitely make sure that I put my phone down certain times, but mm-hmm. I can I can 
take a picture with my art. I can edit it on there. I can upload it on all my platforms, all of my websites. I can answer questions. I can, you know, I can take every bit of money from there. I don't even have to actually physically go anywhere. Right. I don't ever want to. So. Such a powerful I can tool. Even ship everything and, and print everything like that. So. Mm-hmm. I love it's it. Incredible. I love it too because it it's such a new tool and it's mm-hmm. so powerful that like no one's really got a wrangle on it yet. Like no. nobody's like you know, this is how it must be done and there are these guidelines and, and it's for just, older people, you know? you know what I mean? Like for older artists and and you know, some of the people that are a little more uh uh, old school, like this is a very daunting task mm-hmm. to, you know, put hashtags on everything and right. to use this technology and to realize how easy it is and to copy and paste instead of to print everything out every single time and to, sure. you know, be methodical about it and set alarms and, mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, I, it, it, that was definitely a big learning curve for me right. to like, be like, Oh, I got to I got to post now. If you don't like, you know, I have to go make posts. I set alarms and I copy and paste and, you know, of course, you you, you put the you same take pictures breaks up sometimes there. too. Yeah, well, I mean, I haven't posted anything all day. You yeah, know yeah, I mean? but I'm on vacation too. Sure. So. Yeah, you got to give yourself mm-hmm. that time. Uh, so, how do you balance things about your life, like being social versus being introverted? Um, you know, altered state of mind versus like clear state of mind. Um, I'm pretty much, you know, just a pothead for the most part. I, I smoke sure. all the time. Um, I'm I work in my studio alone. So, I'd say that's a clear state of mind, though. Yeah, for, absolutely. Um, for and, some like, people, so not everyone. 90% of the time, you know, now um, I need a good excuse. I don't, um, I microdose sometimes in the studio if I have a lot to do and I don't want to take a nap in the middle of the day. Um, or if I'm just feeling blue or a little lethargic or something totally. like that, you know, it always helps. But um, uh, I have to make sure that I, like, I, I'm, I grew up in a family business where we had to make money. It was right. imperative all the time. And, you know, so I get this mind frame that I don't have time to eat right. I don't have time to take my dog to the park because I have to get this stuff done. But, you know, and then that night you end up wasting three hours on the couch. Like you sure, do have sure. this time. You you yeah. have to just make yourself do the things that you don't want to. At the time uh, at the that time. you say. And because just yeah. like going to the gym, I fucking hate going. But afterwards, it's my brain function is a million times better. Dude. And it, it just, it's so much, it's so much better day when I do that. But Feel I dread, you. I like, you know, I'll make a million excuses laying in bed 30 minutes before I'm going to go. And then uh, I just, you know, you just fucking do it. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe talk more about like taking care of yourself and how important that is and whatever um, that means. I mean, well, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different so, people. Like watching my mom not take care of herself and working herself to death my whole life is very redundant in my opinion because what is the point of working so hard if you're not going to take care of yourself I mean, we're not here to die and pay taxes you know what i mean like right have some fun go see that music go travel abroad exactly you know what i mean get the fuck out of this country and go see how they do go go see how third world countries live and and you know like experience that kind of joy when you have nothing and, and right. you just enjoy life that is something that's very very fun for me to uh, like it's, it's, it's inspiring to see people that have nothing just truly love what they have and, uh, mm-hmm. see how absolutely fucking spoiled rotten we are here. Yeah. It's um, a nice perspective. You know, shift. Um, just go get outside. You know what I mean? I work outside all the time or I in, indoors outside of, and I live in Portland too, so we don't get a lot of sunshine. So when I do get sunny days, I make sure I put everything down. We go to the dog park and hang out for two or three hours. Nice. I can still look at my phone and do shit there too. But, you know, we bring some music and we play with the ball and like, you know, we make sure that 
we take care of ourselves because I mean, who else is going to do it? You know right. what I mean? Like, uh, eat good, you know, you can't afford to eat better. You know, if you can go to the bar and have 10 beers in a weekend, you can afford to eat better groceries. You know what I mean? <laughs> like there are little things. If you can get a $6 coffee, you can, you can do right. all the things you can justify buying the right stuff, right. And doing the right things for your body. And it's taken me 37 years to figure this out. You know mm. I mean? I was raised by a Southern woman who fucking made, you know, broccoli with cheese on it. You know what I mean? Like sure, we, didn't, yeah. we didn't eat healthy and she fed me well and we ate properly, but it wasn't, you know, she wasn't taught right. We ate a lot of right. processed stuff and it's just, uh, yeah, I've, it's I've, something you have to, to, to just slowly do. You can't just immerse yourself into it. You have to right. like get rid of all the crap and, just start eliminating stuff and then start adding it into it. If you do it all at once, you'll go crazy and you'll just start eating stupid shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Man, the more I, I do it and the further along I get with like, you know, being a painter or whatever, I am realizing that like success is based just as much on the things you do outside of your art and how you do them. Absolutely. And, And just like figuring all that stuff out for me, Adulting, I guess, mm-hmm. is another word to use. Yeah, uh, is bought, the hardest, I just a, hardest part. An really. Electric toothbrush. Oh man, what a game oh, changer! Damn. <sighs> yeah. You know, I Save got an account. Time. That's something that I really need. You got an to account. I got an account. I, I'm so bad. That's big boy stuff, man. I, I've been avoiding it for <laughs> so long, and that's another thing too that I teach in my class. Um, if you've started taking money on your PayPal, yeah, that is a paper trail. Yep. What a lot of artists realize is they're scared to start their LLC and to start a business and, and to just run it because they think that they're going to have to pay a shitload of money in taxes and stuff like that. But if you realize that your hotels and food and trips to these festivals and this festival is a write-off and that your painting supplies and your shipping is a write-off and a percentage of your rent in your house because of your studio space is a write-off, the government will realize that you haven't made shit and they'll leave you alone. But if you don't tell them... Yeah, you got to at least talk to them. tell them and go, this paper is... You know, I'm not making enough. Most artists don't make enough right. to even to do that. But if you do make enough, start paying your taxes because that Absolutely. shit will bite you in the ass if you don't start taking care of that. And that's something I have been doing for the past for like four like, years. That's something I can tell it's, people is to stay on top of their paperwork. For real though, guys, like it's one day... Maybe two of like going through all your saved receipts, your bank account, online info, your PayPal info. You can take and, pictures and on your TurboTax or whatever will literally hold your hand through the filing process. It's not that hard. And what you're going to realize is that you don't owe them anything and they're not going to give you anything. Right. They just want to know what the fuck your money is. Where They just want to know why you have this money. And yeah, as yeah. long as you tell them, I'm just a terribly unsuccessful artist who lives an awesome life and just scrapes by, you know what I mean? You're not going to have to pay taxes on that kind of stuff, but right. you know, but then again, if you become successful and you didn't pay taxes for 10 years, they might go back and go, Oh, you owe us 25% on all this money that we assume that you made on this kind of stuff. And right. Then, then you hate the government even more. <laughs> and uh, that's just, you know, running a business with my mom, I watched her, you know, we would go to Sturgis oh, right. and they would actually make you pay your sales tax four different times in the 10 days you were there. Oh, well, so many people probably set up and then ran off and never came back. And, you know, they raised their taxes one penny just for the weekend. And they probably make an extra million dollars with all those bikers that come there. Maybe even more. You know what Wild. I mean? But, um, 
it's a good business strategy, Absolutely, I guess. Absolutely, I guess. I mean, but you know, I'm sure it does all kinds of fun stuff for infrastructure and all mm-hmm. that jazz. And there's nothing out there in South Dakota, so I'm sure that the, yeah. really that money goes a long way. What's and, uh, Sturgis like? Sturgis I mean, is like a motorcycle. Like bikers and hippies are essentially the same, except we eat way better drugs and listen to way better music, and we're way less violent. That's really the only okay. difference. <laughs> bikers love to travel. Just those three those, small well, things. Three things. Like, you know, bikers love to travel. Yeah. To see their yeah. people and their groups of people just like we have our friends and festival sure. world they have their their biker friends from all over that they've partied with and they see each other only this time of year totally and you know they love their music and they love to get rowdy but they like to listen to the same cover bands play fog hat 50 <laughs> times a night not that i've heard that 50 times a night in my entire life but yeah. <laughs> you know it gets really old but they love sure, it you sure, know what sure. i mean and they're 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 drunk and they've got you know pretty women and they're jealous and they fight a lot and but it's you don't really see that very often you know what i mean mm-hmm. um you guys are a lot more uh you don't see the you don't see the fights like like you actual fights. It. You don't hear, you just hear like about it. Like fist fights. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, in the, yeah. it's in the bars and stuff like that. Yeah, it's sure, like, yeah. you know, somebody gets too rowdy or whatever, but uh, you just don't hear about that at our festivals. And then, um, you know, it's kind of the same vending world. These The vendors, sure. you know, are all friends just like we are. All the people that make art and travel, we're all friends. Same thing with the vending world. They And in the biker world, they're all do the same thing. You know what I mean? They're kind of, what do you call that? They, uh, just like commiserate a, together and kind of talk about, you know, the positives and negatives and what shows were good and all that, all that jazz. It's like their second family. Exactly. Kind of vibe. Exactly. And, uh, that's an interesting similarity. You know, and, uh, they love their life, you know, and it's an, it's an alternative lifestyle. They love their whole world. It revolves around their motorcycle, just like our whole world revolves around music and art, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, uh, yeah, it's a whole lifestyle identity. It's, it's pretty cool. They're a lot ruder and cheaper and less patient sometimes, mm-hmm. but, I'm also, you know, but you, I'm it, also oh, exaggerating a giant group of people. Like, yeah, I it's hard to ever general, those generalize. Like, ninety-five percent of those mm-hmm. people were a fucking hoot, and we had so much fun in the store. And I would actually play some of my music, and every now and then somebody would be like, "Yo, who's oh, this? What's up with and this?" I would. Uh, this is back in the day when CDs were burned. Do you guys remember that? And I would make a couple yeah, CDs yeah. of every, <laughs> and I would give out a couple of them. Nice. I don't even own a CD player. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. It's crazy how that lane of technology like just went my computer doesn't even have one like i update I everything off the computer it's crazy off and the internet yeah yeah i'm gonna run into something soon where i need well, to get a i guess a new photographer convince him to stop putting my files on discs <laughs> oh <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean oh, like yeah, i have i have stacks of discs i mean they're all on my computer at well, this I mean, point yeah, i guess you and could, you could put them on a flash drive or on a what, sure but he, uh, why don't you give him a flash drive yeah, initiate. I should, you know, I should be like, "Hey, man, hey, I man. know you're 70 years Welcome. old. Oh, is he that old? He's the shit, though. All right, well then, like, shut up. All right, <laughs> twenty dollars now. No, um, I'll probably have a lot That's of people hitting that me I up about with too. Is, is taking really decent pictures. I've been, um, I've been using pieces of pottery by Clay Hicks lately to put yeah. my stuff in there and kind of juxtapose my leather and. and oh yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah, yeah. And because uh, I've always struggled with just a black box or trying to put something in the background and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I put it out in the sunshine, you get a really horrible glare on the shiny leather. So that's something that I've always struggled with. And my website is slowly going to start, you know, weeding out shitty pictures for better pictures. And Mm -hmm. it's a process. We'll move out here, man. I'll hook you up with with my homie. Yeah. He's my homie. (laughs) His house right now. No. Um, I mean, I, um, photography. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) 
That's, I really do want to move out here. I just hate the weather so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm wearing it's... shorts right now. In protest or like? Just because I don't own pants. Oh. Yeah, I have a pair of pants with me, and I will wear them <laughs> when I go out at night, but... Nice. I just, it's never it's never less than forty five degrees in Portland. So really, I, I wear long socks and shorts and a hoodie, and I'm pretty. Hmm. I mean, I'm I mean, I'm going for a hike or something like that. I dress up, but like for the sure. most part, I'm like running from the Uber to the venue or to the right, restaurant. Right. Like you know, I don't have to spend any time outside. So you got real warm legs, I yeah, guess. I'm, I'm a, you know I warm I run warm. Yeah, they're beefy. <laughs> mm. What do you think the uh, diameter is on those puppies? Jesus, like at least they're twenty two inches, bro. well um so i had one i had another question for you oh so if someone wants to learn hmm i don't know how to sell their art like what what do you think mind wise psychology wise do they have to change or should Um, they get better at well so uh they're gonna have to they're going to have to make it accessible. So, you know, the thing, the trend now is, is accessories. You know what I mean? Making your art functional, you know, uh, or, or functional, uh, on functional things. Like, so t-shirts, yoga mats, stuff like that, where you can take a beautiful $3,500 piece of artwork that most kids can't afford and right. be able to access it, make it accessible in your everyday life. True. Um, that's that's realistically where it's at. Um, and a lot of those companies, you know, you can go online and they you give them your images and they you approve it and then they will print one off for you. You don't have to buy a bunch of inventory. I forget what uh, some of those companies are, but uh, I know that my buddy Brian Bernard, like he doesn't have any T-shirts. He just you know uploads some images and if you want to order one, they will drop ship that extra like large Society t-shirt. Six or something. Something like that. I don't yeah. know. I don't because I have to hand make everything. I don't outsource. Hmm. Yeah, but there's but companies there's, that do that. There are also companies that'll make like one bidet cover. Ah, oh, dude. You know what I mean? Instead of having to How order a hundred blankets. Though. We have one of the house. Yeah. Duvet, excuse me. Duvet, duvet cover. <laughs> Sorry, they don't make toilet covers. <laughs> yeah, duvet cover. Well, okay, like, that's you know, the next lane, dude. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I, I mean, mean, that's that million dollar yeah, idea. Yeah, uh, toilet, you know, like toilet covers. <laughs> and, uh, maybe like. <laughs> So many, just, so, just yeah, printing mats, straight onto maybe, porcelain, you know, like the toothbrush holders <laughs> that matches the soap holder. I mean, you can you can do mugs. Toilet. You know, there are yeah. mugs out there being made. Um, so if you can do mugs, you can do so, toothbrush uh, holders. To, you know, get get your stuff out there. Get a website. You know, get a, a you can. They make websites so easily that you can do it yourself. It takes a lot of work um, to kind of like learn the basics of it but once you kind of get used to it and realize mm-hmm. that you can duplicate and not have to put in all that information every time um and it connects to all of your social media it's pretty easy like i use shopify and that's yeah that's pretty nice same. Um, shout out cory ponds for the website Corey, design Corey me with my website last night he's been helping a lot of artists with his he, i know he did blazes he did Rena monet's he did um oh he did uh Stephen or uh, Jesus, John Salters. Yep. So, uh, yeah, and then he's Chris Dyer's manager, um, and he does all of his merchandising, and he helps uh, find companies to print that stuff. So, he's probably a good person if you ever want to talk to about getting website <laughs> made and or getting merchandise made. He's yeah. he's he's a good kid, and I'm sure he could use the business too. Yeah. Hopefully, um, you guys then, flood. That's Corey P O N Z Pons. Yeah, Corey Pons, Cody Paws. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, just, you know, get out there, start small, make prints, you know, for a festival and go sell 
a hundred posters in the parking lot, go make a pin and sell it in the parking lot. Little by little, get yourself out there. And if that's what you want to do, if you want to stay true to it and just make paintings, then, you know, do raw arts and sell those tickets and get out there and go talk to coffee shops and see if they want to put your stuff in there. If you do anything on consignment, I make sure that you get a contract that's signed and notarized so that if some wook stabs your painting, they have to pay for it, not you. You know what I mean? Like Hopefully little people things are like taking that. You notes. always want to you always mm-hmm. want to make sure that your butt's covered when you're when you're putting art out right there. If you're going to put something on consignment, mm-hmm. dentist office. I mean, there's a million places where you can put artwork up on the walls. You know, right? Um, I had a show at a Kava you know, uh, bar go, last year. Go to all of the you know go to open mics and paint if you want to. <laughs> go you know see you could go to talk to all your local venues and see if you can paint a mural in there. You know what I mean? Go and. Say, you know, if you want to get your artwork out there, that's what Steven Teller did. He They paid for the supplies. He did the, the mural for free. It's his first one. Three years later, he's getting called in St. Augustine, Florida, to go up to Chicago and paint an entire side of a fucking building. Like, that has got to be a tremendous feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. So get your stuff out there. That's all I can say. Make stickers. Put them on the backs of things. Give yeah. them out at shows. Yeah. My keychains that I gave away for years and years and years were the perfect way for me to introduce everybody to me. So now that I'm doing it full time, they're like, oh, I got this 10 years ago. Or Absolutely. Whatever, you know? So make your presence known. Yeah. Uh, you know, stay semi sober at festivals so that you can <laughs> remember and be coherent and, you know, get up and go walk from campsite to campsite and go sell your stuff and go sell prints and. I watched at least 15 or 20 artists sell 250 prints at at Halloween selling out. Damn. You know? I didn't do that well. (laughs) Well, you didn't get up early enough, did you? I guess not. Tisk tisk. So um, Um, there's so many opportunities to get your stuff out there. Um, uh, Donate your artwork to charities. You know what I mean? Whether, you know, you're into it or not, you know, obviously you want to believe in it a little bit, but like, even if it's out of state, like I've donated stuff to floods and fires in California and Colorado when I live in a different state, but you know, those are my fans and friends and it affects them as well. And you know, I, what I tell people is I've got a shit ton of art. I don't have that much money. So I'll donate a belt or a journal to your cause. And if that gets, you know, put a stack of business cards out there and every little bit of networking you can do, you know, is, is really the best way you can do it. Always always put your foot in the door be don't be rude about it you know don't expect things but mm-hmm. ask questions see if you can be a you know this is what i do can we do this for you see how you can incorporate your life into their life and not be taken advantage while you do it beautiful advice man i'm gonna yeah. re-listen to that and take some notes um so the vending world is a little bit different than like the live art world it is um are there still there's still applications though to vend correct <coughs> Yeah. Uh, and what are they looking festival. for in those apps? Well, you know, um, they want to know if, uh, well, they want your money for the most part. You know what I mean? Like, Ay. There's a lot of festivals that will put way too many vendors in and put you in spots that are not good. So you want to pick and choose your battles. I personally don't like to do festivals with uh, 5,000 people or less mm-hmm. just because, you know, 
of, uh, the, the rent on these places sometimes is astronomical and the amount of people that come in the door, it's almost impossible for you to make that kind of money, especially if they have more vendors. So I say pick and choose your battles. You know, don't go too far from home. If you've got something that you're really proud of and you're doing well, go do an entire tour. You know what I mean? Like get you a nice vehicle that you can live in. Yeah. Modify it so that you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, figure out a way to cook good food on the road because like driving through America is like going through a food desert. There's no good places to eat unless you go to a restaurant and right. a, a grocery store and make your own stuff. Or sure. Even then, it's hard to find stuff like that. Uh, let's see what else. Um you know, proper etiquette, proper setting up your booth. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you want to be nice to your neighbors. You want to ask forgiveness, not permission on some stuff. Like, you know, (coughs) extending your booth 20 feet back when, you know, we weren't really supposed to, you just kind of do it and go, Oh, I didn't know. Um, (laughs) you can always take it down. Yeah. Usually they just don't even notice or something like that. Um, you paid for a 10 by 10, but it's nice to have a little space behind you for like, a booth, uh, you know, like for Chill extra zone. inventory, my Green room. kitchen, you know what I mean? Yeah, Titty yeah. bumps, all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm um, going to pause again because cool. right. so, all right, let's talk about this book. Um, yeah. So um, tell me the title again. It's called Everything I Learned About Business I Learned on Grateful Dead Tour or something to that effect. And mm-hmm. what it's taught me is uh, a lot of improvisational and like you know just kind of getting in there um one of the things that the dead you know did was they improv if there was you know a problem they didn't just go sit in their their dressing room and say fuck it and not throw the show they figured it out and they they worked around it um doing illegal merch there was three areas which if you guys know my work i definitely am a you know quote unquote bootlegger i do a lot of stuff for band logos and stuff but i also donate to a lot of their charities and make sure that a lot of those people know that I'm on their radar. And if they, you know, because it's handmade, I've just, because it's handmade, it's kind of off their radar. There's three different types of people. There's the people who hand paint a picture of Jerry Garcia and it's, you know, absolutely mesmerizing. They could care two shits about that guy. Yeah. Then there's the guy who owns a t-shirt printing store that made 300 steely shirts that say spring tour on the back. And he's selling them for $5 out of the back of his trunk. That's the guy they're going to process and go against. Mm-hmm. And then there's the guy who's hand tie dyeing shirts that look like steelies and has the dates on the back as well. And instead of prosecuting that guy, they hire them to work for them. And that's nice. kind of what they did when they saw somebody that they really enjoyed their work and realized they weren't ripping them off. Right. They would bring them into the family. And so that's, that's like what we what were I'm talking doing. about. I've got earlier. a couple, I've got a couple of bands that I'm working with too. that kind of worked out that way. They're like, well, you know, might as well just work together. Who's that? Uh, I, um, it's not, I'm not going to tell you okay. because okay. it's, I've got a meeting this weekend, but okay, cool. It's a dream come true if it comes through. So fingers crossed yeah, knock on, wood, knock all on that, all that wood, um, crossing fingers. Uh, it would be very, very <laughs> awesome if I could do work with these people. And well, that's exciting. Um, so probably by the time this drops, you'll know exactly. And then, um, so another thing too was they're bootlegging. Like, you know, they would have kids come to the, the uh, box office crying cause this guy with a microphone kicked them out of their prime seats. They've been waiting to see this show and oh. the microphone, you know, to, to tape the shows and the right. tapers. So the taping became a big problem. Right. Instead of just shutting it down, they made rules and they made a dedicated taping spot. And then that's how the Grateful Dead became one of the most successful. influential, successful underground bands in the world because they had the first taping underground music system they had the first napster if you will you right know what i mean and that's they had, how they became famous was getting all these tapes 
you know, they they never had what, what two hits on the radio, right? And they're one of the most popular bands in the entire world and one right. of the most highest grossing. And it's because of that. Instead of saying no, 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 and shutting it down, they incorporated this trend into the behavior of their, and, you know what I mean? Their so, band, and yeah. that's just and that's just how they became legends. By you know, instead of saying no, they tried to figure out how to work it in there. Right. So. It's almost like their fans took care of the distribution for them. Absolutely. You know, at a time when distribution was at a, you know, it's free now. Right. And back then just high prices and just yeah, the all... only time you ever heard is like, you could go out and buy their record mm-hmm. or you could go see them live. Or if you heard them on the radio, you could probably make a tape. You know what I mean? Sure. And back then you probably held a tape recorder up to the radio and recorded it. Right. So it was terrible quality. Right. But to, you know, start this, this, this mailing campaign where, you know, everybody's like, I have these shows, I have these shows. And then you see these epic boxes of tapes from the back in the day and they're so obsolete, but they're also like this treasure trove of like memories. And it's such a cool trend. It really is to like, you know, they were the first viral trend in the world pretty much. So, uh, it's, it's very inspiring and it's very, you know, uh, it's something that, uh, has helped me with my business, you know what I mean? And, uh. There's a couple other things in there too that's really good. It's a very short book, and they kind of concise everything that the chapters were in the end, and try to you know, gotcha. it's kind of like you know, business for dummies almost. And cool. It was very very well written and cool. very easy to go through, and very informative for as easy as it was. <laughs> for that for that point you just said right there, I feel like that might be called don't be afraid to give some things away for free. Absolutely. Like yeah. at this point, um, like I gave 500 keychains away at Halloween. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even if you just asked me for one, I would give you one. My Instagram's on the back. I ask people to take a little picture. Maybe they, I get five followers because of that one picture. You know what I mean? Five years down the road, they see them make a dog color. They got a brand new dog. You know what I mean? Yeah, Every yeah. little bit, exactly. you know, what is that? The butterfly effect kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, you know? totally. So every little step that you do for promotion Get, you know, 100,000 stickers and give them all away at a show, you know what I mean? And have your Instagram on the back or give them out and say, hey, I'm running, you know, uh, a contest. Right. You know, when people know that they're going to win something, they can, you know, they're engaged more. Um, I just uh, one thing too on Facebook, start a group. This is something that I've like definitely noticed is you have your regular art page on there Mm -hmm. and they regulate it. They ask you to promote, they ask you to pay a fee and then they limit who sees your posts sure. in a group. It's a public forum where people talk. So they cannot really like limit who sees that. And so if you're engaged in there all the time and you're doing stuff, you will get so much more traffic than you would on your page. And it is also linked to your page as well. So another person like that, um, to, for example, is Aaron Brooks, whose his page is all things Aaron Brooks. There's 10,000 plus people on there. Mm-hmm. His fans sell pins and T-shirts right. that they don't want and, you know, uh, stuff like that. He's always on there doing uh, auctions. He's doing his live uh, drawing and stuff like that. So if you want to engage more people on Facebook... And you realize that, you know, when you make a post on your regular page for your art, that only like 16 people see it, Mm -hmm. you'll realize that every single person sees it in here. So, yeah, that is a great tip, man. It's something new that I realized. I've been wondering It's a way to beat those stupid Mm -hmm. algorithms that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have to figure out. Yeah. It's still free distribution, but there are some rules that we don't know. So. So, yeah, I think that also is one of the 
the greatest things about bands like the dead and the and like tool even they their fans are just so invested into it um because they kind of create value around the scene scene. jam band scene like you know you don't really see uh people going on bob seger tour you know what i mean you don't really see people going on (laughs) but you you know like people will go see tipper in every single city imaginable and they will buy as much merchandise based around that and that fanaticism is actually kind of what fueled my artwork and then it expanded upon that because being somebody who is you know i feel like I was uh, almost conditioned for this life because I was in the motorcycle world. And right. so I learned what was the hot trends and what sells and how to sell and how to display and all these things. So by the time it was time for me to do my artwork, I had had all of this training right. to do. Yeah. And then so it almost like, you know, these are 60 foot booths that I used to do. Now I'm setting up a 10 by 10. It's yeah. easy. I can do it all by myself. That's rad. So. Um, which I don't. I always have somebody there to help. It's always <laughs> nice to have company, but I've I, I have done it before, and like so to take all of that knowledge and to to concise it into what I do has been very fortunate. I'm very grateful for the life that I had because it's it's come in handy. It really has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important to be grateful too. I'm very grateful. I I'm very that- humbled. I never in a million years thought this would be my career. I it started out as a hobby. Like it was just literally a way to like you know kind of survive at festivals and not spend all of my money and then i've got i've gotten six orders on my website today alone and nice you know what i mean i Badass. appreciate the hell out of that so you guys are fucking awesome hell yeah well um let's maybe wrap it up all right we're about an hour and 15 in that's nice hey i've yeah. been talking a lot of shit unless um, there's some more you want to talk about well too. uh let's see um just so, a couple of projects i'm working on uh shane moss he's uh He's a comedian. He's a comedian. He's kind of he, like the psychedelic comedian. He's well, he's so much more than that. He does science talks. He does a science and psychedelic podcast that he's been doing for five years. Wow. Um, he does an entire tour based on psychedelics. He's about to do an entire tour on uh, ayahuasca. Nice. And, um, he's got uh, a woman with her, and I've her name has uh, slipped my mind. Um, but she's wrote this book called Talking with Plants, and he's enamored with it. And so we've made these ayahuasca keychains. And mm-hmm. he sells my merch at his shows, and he's actually getting me to make a journal for a really, really famous comedian, which I'm super pumped about, and that's oh, gonna be a right. lot of fun. Yeah, I don't want to ruin the surprise because it's probably for Christmas, but oh uh, yeah, I'm uh, also um, I sponsor local <laughs> cannabis uh, companies. I make keychains and lighter cases for them to give away as swag, and uh, sponsoring the um, the Oregon Growers Cup. So I make them a bunch of keychains for those people. I got to set up, and then I made a bunch of extra keychains so I can go get a bunch of samples and just get glorious, glorious amounts of THC products. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's cool to be able to, um, sponsoring is really where it's at for me right now. Um, I got to go to Huluween for, you know, next to nothing. And I sold tickets and traded artwork for that and got my artwork and all the little swag bags. And then that gives me the opportunity to have some fun, do some uh, promotion and stuff like that. But also um, I get to teach classes too. I like to yeah, teach yeah. Uh, mask making workshops and mandala making workshops and stuff like that. And that's always a lot of fun. I love giving back like that for sure. Oh yeah, man. And uh, also look out for some RTAF keychains. Yeah, I'm going to start sponsoring this. So he's going to have to do that shameless plug at the beginning of his uh, podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the, that's the deal. Well, know? yeah. I need you to use your, your, uh, my bar, uh, broadcasting your, your voice. Like, the best leather money can buy. Some Lost Sailor Leather. Lost Sailor Leather. <laughs> yeah, something like that. 
Uh, You'll yeah, have to teach me how start, to carnival I'm going to start doing uh, Shane's as well. I'm going to start making uh, keychains for his podcast. And he actually, on his last podcast, gave me a really awesome shout-out. And I was didn't even know he was going to do that, which well, is cool. Fuck so. yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, so. Shane Mouse. Mouse or Moss? M-A-U-S-S. Yeah. So he does a podcast. And he's doing this psychedelics and science comedy tour where mm-hmm. he brings out two scientists who are working on really cool shit. Mm-hmm. And they get to talk and kind of joke around and... Um, it's, it's a little more interactive. It's a little more rounded than just your typical comedy show. And it's, it's involved in, uh, I appreciate that about him. It's, that's very cool. It's very stepping outside of your normal comfort zone. And, uh, just, uh, you know, he's, he's not a scientist. He's just interested in this stuff. And so he wanted to incorporate into his, his, his act and. I'm all about it, and I appreciate that I get to go along on this journey, too. It's cool. And there are so many hilarious moments when you're tripping. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so many. Too many. Like In fact, like at music festivals, I think my favorite times was hanging out in campsites after all the music and just coming down and <laughs> laughing hysterically over the stupidest shit that's happened all day. Like Those truly are my favorite moments at festivals. It's, Very cathartic. Yeah. yeah. Like I think and you know important. the music's great, but I really love the connections and the people and the family that I've grown with over the years. Like and to watch you guys go from just setting up in the gallery, you know, and not knowing what's going on to painting on the sides of buildings or being the art coordinator for music festivals and creating the mural maze, Anya and you know, uh and uh let's see who else. Like just every every it seems at every festival, the art the art is getting better and better, and it seems like they've they're realizing they have to allot some money for these people because it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, things are changing in that regard, and that's pretty nice. Yeah, it'd be you know like we get some green room access every now and then, right? but like yeah, free mates, just give us free mates, <laughs> and we'll we really shut want. up, okay? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, this was fun, man. Yeah, thank dude. You thank so you. You yeah. want to have me back? Yeah, uh, you crushed you know, it, dude. I, I, I feel like you might be a returning guest because cool. you got that gift of gab, my friend. Oh, man. And uh, uh, and w- every time we'll have to bring John so he can yeah, kind of like... We really love the background noise. Yeah. It's wonderful. <laughs> like chill in the background. Yeah. And, Make dad noises. Although we did, we did share a few laughs. Like it was pretty good. He's actually doing amazing things right now. He's cooking... Yeah rice and vegetables and chicken for the dogs right? he's here house sitting for Corey's dog so all while making yeah. a painting and too it's, it's it's better he doesn't even cook this well for himself so i'm proud of him <laughs> he's not gonna even eat it he's gonna have a pot pie and a cigarette well soon enough we'll have video so that you guys can see all the action yeah no <laughs> doubt yeah eventually we're gonna have uh you know the live the live stream with uh you know I'll, I'll, I'll hammer leather in the background. It'll be very annoying. There we go. There we go. Cool. Well, thank you so much, you, dude. Buddy. Lost yeah, Sailor Leather. Thank you. And, oh, yeah, I'm doing a Black Friday sale. I don't know if this will probably be out in time. <laughs> go for but, um, it. No, it won't. No. Oh, I'll tell you what. Sorry. We'll, we'll do an artsy. Uh, I'll do a code RTAF 20%, and we'll do that all of the month of December. Sweet. You can get 20% off of anything that you order on my website. And, Dope, yeah. dude. Cool. Good luck, guys. Yeah, thank you. Bye, art world. Keep making cool shit. Peace, y'all. Much love. Much love. Thanks for listening to another episode of RCAF Podcast. For additional images and notes on this episode, you can check out our website, rcafpodcast.com. And you can find me, Andrew Norris, at 
andrew.norris.arts on Instagram. And andrewnorrisarts.com is my website. And you can find me, John Speaker. My website is johnspeaker.com. On Instagram, I'm at John Speaker. And on Facebook, John Speaker Art. Thanks again for listening. Peace. Thank you. (laughs) 